0: You're as cold as ice. You're willing to sacrifice our love.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Ice Bowl Takes podcast. I'm your host, Joey Demeglio, and free agency began last Saturday with Rangers General Manager Chris Jury making a statement with limited cap space. We also have to talk about the NHL draft, so I've brought on resident draft expert and frequent ice cold takes guest Drew Way to talk about it all. Thanks for joining me, Drew. How are you?
0: Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me. I'm doing well. How about yourself?
1: Doing well. Doing well. I'm glad we could uh, arrange a time for yeah, us absolutely. to
0: meet. Um, I know things have been I- crazy for us both recently, but yeah, thanks for your patience with me.
1: Yeah, no. Thank you. Thank you for uh, for joining the show. I'll have a little bit of an announcement towards the end of the show. Um, we'll get into that later. But uh, to get right into it, the NHL draft. Uh, I I kind of pushed that off so I could uh, talk talk to you about it, since you know you have the most knowledge out of anybody I know on the, the prospects and this draft class. You said was you know one of the best in recent memory. Um, the Rangers got Gabe Perreault at. 23rd overall so they managed to keep one of their first round picks they had to ship one off in the Tarasenko deal but managed to keep the other one which was great so tell me a little bit about Perot what's your analysis assessment of it of
0: that pick yeah I mean it was a fantastic pick like if you look at um like what like Bob McKenzie's the list I'll generally look at in terms of like trying to get an understanding of where guys should go just because you know his list is it's not his rankings it's he's polling people who actually have decision-making power at, at these teams, then compiling that. Um, and, and he had Perot, I think, at like 10 or 11 in that range. And in terms of, you know, I didn't publish a ranking this year just because, as you were kind of saying before, things have been crazy, but I did all my normal tracking and had my own like tiered system uh, on like this Excel sheet that I maintain all year. And I had him on, you know, my fourth tier, which which in essence was like 10 to 15 or so. And Uh, When I was on Blue Shirts Breakaway, like the Monday before the draft, like they were asking me, you know, hey, well, who are some guys we should be looking for or excited about the Rangers taking around 23? I didn't even bother bringing up Perot because I just assumed she would be gone. And so that's a long way of saying, like, yeah, fantastic, fantastic pick, Uh, slam dunk pick at 23 there um you know there, there's reasons obviously why he fell a bit um he, you know he's on the smaller side and and i mean he's five eleven. like he's not like small small but you know he's not a big body and some teams that picked before him clearly were um prioritizing size like minnesota um taking oh my god i can't believe a charlie Strammel a couple picks before him that was the one that i was afraid the rangers would take like Strammel's a good player and all but to me he was more second round pick quality but because he's big and physical I'm like oh my god the rangers will reach on him but nope minnesota took that from us um and then you know some teams clearly were reaching for defensemen a bit beforehand um and so that sort of led perot to fall Um, but perot literally broke the record for most points in the season with the u.s development program i think it was either austin matthews or jack eichel had that record previously so it i mean that speaks to how crazy his production was um and then what's what's fun too in terms of his future development is he's committed to bc and his line that he plays with on the u.s development program the whole line is going to bc so uh it's it's him it's uh will smith the center that was drafted by san jose and it's oh my god i'm blanking on it's it's another kid that was uh leonard Ryan Leonard. Yes. I want to say Oliver Moore. I'm like, it's not Oliver Moore. Yeah, Ryan Leonard. So they're all going to BC uh, together as well, which should be fun. But in terms of the type of player Perot is, it's it's cerebral is the best way to describe it. Like he's, he's not a burner. He's not overly physical, but he, he kind of will remind you of uh, like a winger version of Adam Fox when you watch him play in that he just thinks the game at a level that is far beyond what most of the other people on the ice are. Uh, He consistently makes plays that you as the viewer don't even realize was a possibility to make. And and, and that's a very like Adam Fox-like trait. Um, And and in terms of, he can also do what Fox does where like the little small movements with his skates and his stick and his head to kind of fake one way, then pass it another. And he's consistently one step ahead of the defense Um, and then on top of you know his hockey sense hockey iq brain whatever you want to call it his playmaking is the other attribute he's a phenomenal phenomenal passer one of the best passers in this draft class um it's weird everyone kept listing him as a right wing um he didn't play right wing this year ever um it's and so i was i'm not sure why literally every list including tsn and all of them had him listed as a right wing he played left wing on the line Uh, with uh, Leonard and Will Smith. Leonard played the right and, you know, some of them are hoping he's a center at the NHL and Will Smith centered that line. Um, But he can play both. And especially uh, with how smart he is and his playmaking, I think that if the Rangers were to choose to have him play right wing, you know, in a couple of years, once he's ready, he he could make that transition, no problem.
1: And so he's going to be, he's like a project. He's not somebody that's ready to come up right away. Like, cause I
0: mean, it's not so much a project. It's that, you know, in the NHL draft, like maybe two or three guys a year come out immediately. Um, so generally speaking, anyone you're taking, unless you have the top pick or maybe the second or third pick is at least a year away. Um, and then, you know, he's going to B.C., which is a good developmental college, um, and there's no need for him immediately. And he does need to put on some strength still. His body still does need to develop. So it's let him develop at B.C. for a couple of years. And quite frankly, with like the recent track record of the Rangers, yeah, uh, you know, developing forwards themselves, like probably for the best. Let him go to B.C. for two to three years, then sign him and bring him over.
1: Right, like keep your hands off him as, as much as you can. Like let him yeah. play in college two years.
0: Cause, yeah, let, I mean, let him get stronger, let his body fill out, let him work on his skating, and then, you know, two to three years down the road, you know, bring him over. I could see it being like after he finishes his second year, kind of like what Kreider did where they then like signed him for like the playoff run and, you know, how they, they call them like the black aces, right? Like the kind of like college kids that come over and then can join the team for the playoffs. Like I can see that or I can see in his third year signing.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, this is this a is good good, uh, good option for the Rangers for their future. And if you look back, like, 10 years where the Rangers were, you know, they were still competing, but they had nothing in their pipeline outside mm-hmm. of Puchnevich, Shesterkin, Anthony Duclair. That's it. But, like, now the Rangers have Sikora, they have Othman, Will Cooley, McConnell Barker, now Gabe Perot. There's more to that list, too. So, I mean... I think the Rangers are being really smart here with their draft picks, especially finally holding on to those first-round picks while they're competing. Because you look at other teams like Tampa Bay, they did the same thing. And they were really more successful Tampa Bay was with their later-round picks, like Palat, Tyler Johnson, you know, those guys were... Kucherov was a second-round pick. Yep, Kucherov, yeah. Those guys were... And that was, like, the triplets line there. I think
0: Braden um, Point was a third-round pick. Yeah,
1: Point was a, <laughs> was a later-round pick.
0: I mean, Kuchar up and Point are two of the top 15 forwards in the entire league, and neither were first-round picks for mm-hmm. Tampa.
1: And you even – you could go back, like, Detroit. I always use them as an example because I like the players. Dotsuk and Zetterberg were, like, seventh-round picks. So –
0: yeah, the, that back all the way back then, it was a little different with the European players. So uh, that went kind of like Longquist was a seventh-round pick and pick six, I think, it, right that year. Our first-round pick was Al Montoya or some shit, another goalie. Like, it, so when you're going back 15 plus years in the draft, it, things just get very wonky when it comes to the European players. But to your point, though, like yeah, you can absolutely found like these late-round gems. And um, one thing I want to say is, you know, when you're talking about the Rangers' pipeline, like it's definitely better than it was 10 years ago. It, it's not great though you know most of their best prospects are now at the nhl yeah. so so that's a fantastic problem to have the rangers pipeline is best qualified is like a lot of fine prospects but very few like difference makers whereas gabe Pro can be a difference maker gabe perot is in my opinion comfortably their best prospect in the system right now uh, and people get all uh, annoyed me saying that because they're like well no opman I'm, I'm like Opman's a better player right now, but in terms of just who's the best prospect, as in in five years, who do I think will be the best player? I think Gabe Perot is comfortably the best prospect in the Ranger system right now. So he's
1: got like this higher
0: ceiling, much higher ceiling, and a comparable floor. Um, I don't really know if Opman's going to be a first line player, Um, and and people like have really overrated him quite frankly like i love him and and he's a he's a fun player he's talented he can be nasty which is like in a good way but because of like that season he had two years ago like people think he's like some blue chip prospect he's not he he's he's probably as you know a middle six uh you know agitating winger who can score um you know play on your second line and the way i do things too i kind of classify like you have top line middle six and bottom line with the forwards i think second and third lines nowadays are pretty interchangeable with a lot of coaches just depends on the matchup and what you want to do but like he can be you know second or third line agitating winger who can provide scoring depth but he's not i don't see him as like you know a blue chip difference making prospect but perot can be that if he meets his potential
1: i also think it's fine that they have all these you know like middle six options in Mm -hmm. their pipeline assuming, of course, this is the big if, that Kako, Lafreniere turn out to be the guys that we thought that they were going to be, and hopefully yeah. this year is different for them. Still need to give a contract to Lafreniere. But, I mean, if you build around, like, for the future, let's say, like, when Panarin is gone, like, when he's too old and Zibanejad and Kreider are too old, right? Like, you have Lafreniere, Hedal, Kako. Like, those are guys that can And Adam could... Fox. Yeah, you have Fox. Like, you she have guys... and will still be there. Yeah, mm-hmm you have guys that you could build around there Mm -hmm. and then you see like how these teams are competitive, like Vegas, Florida, uh, Tampa Bay. Like they have deep, deep forward cores, right? Like Mm -hmm. from the first line down to the fourth line, they have players that could fill in and play and score goals and Mm -hmm. play defense. So like those options, like Sikora are good to have for the future, even though they're not top line, like difference makers. And the Rangers really aren't, weren't in a position to acquire one of those guys because I mean, past couple of years they finished high absolutely in, yeah right so but in this draft yeah. class like, Gabe Perot, the, I remember the last time I had you on you said like there's a potential for NHL team to draft in this in this year's draft like that could be their best prospect
0: mm-hmm. yeah and he absolutely like I said it, I, I'm very comfortable saying Crowe is the Rangers best prospect now and, and again that's not a slight on off it's just how it speaks to the upside of Perreault uh, and to your point too like you know the Rangers pipeline like if you're like ranking all the NHL pipelines like they're probably middle of the right, you know right. somewhere yeah. 15 16 17 but there are still definitely some future contributors there some valuable trade chips stuff like that even like a matthew robertson right like he'll probably be an nhl player and just the fact that you have a prospect with a high enough floor where it's like yeah he's probably an nhl or like that has value absolutely too mm-hmm. and the rangers are pretty well positioned to Not have just this window where it's like okay once you know a couple years once Panarin or Zibanejad you know start to age out like their window is officially closed like I do think they're doing a decent job of balancing winning now while also trying to make the right moves to have enough you know prospect talent or younger players to have multiple sort of windows or you know extend that window.
1: Mm -hmm. The guys that they've been drafting they kind of remind me like the way they play they kind of remind me of like what the older rangers like step on and haglin yeah. and foster and callahan like, like what br- they were looking for back then
0: yeah like brett Burrard and adam sakura both yeah. are like the you know they have skill and they can skate but they're also gritty and and will test crap at you and Berard's funny because he's small but Berard's kind of like like a zuccarello and that like remember like zuccarello like tried face washing Chara at one time to- oh, at one yeah, point yeah. like just like that no fear and um you know he's got that agitation to him and those kinds of players like fans are gonna love them Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I know you don't like the comparables but I mean that's just kind of like what it reminds me of like what they're looking for it's it seems like since Drury took over the players that they've drafted seem really different than what the players that the Gorton and company were drafting
0: for better or worse you know some of it's can be good but you know i, I personally like taking i, I wish jury took a few more upside swings like it's this year again like I, you know again perot was fantastic i absolutely loved that um but like a lot of the rest of the draft is like oh this is a big dude let's draft him and yeah it's like, all right we got it <laughs> ty Hendricks
1: and um who was the was it a defenseman they got there was a well, yeah. So the the thir- seven guys.
0: Well, well, yeah. I mean, their third round pick was actually pretty solid. Like Drew Fortescue, who also yeah. was with the national development program, and he's someone where, like, we're talking the end of the third round. Like, cool. It's great to take a swing on talent, but at the same time, like, at pick 90, they took a guy that has a pretty decent likelihood of making the NHL, relative to the fact that he went that low. Um, but yeah, the rest. The the Rasmus Larson was the guy. I think was the defenseman they took that is. Uh, he's an overager um and yeah you know, he's a big big boy and then they took uh dylan do had a Rubrok or rubric or however you say him and he oh, okay. he, yeah, he, yeah. he, he's another big boy and then yeah ty Hendricks.
1: yeah so i mean that i think the size thing is appealing to to uh to a lot of gms especially especially jury but you know yeah,
0: and and hey size is good it's just you can't <laughs> you know, you, you don't want to take it. Steve Dangle has this phrase he uses all the time about some of the bigger relief players where they're big for nothing. And so like, you don't want someone who's big, but can't actually use that size. Mm-hmm. And you don't want like a John Scott where it's like, okay, he's big, but that's literally all he brings is, is the fact that he's big. Um, so, yeah, you know, we'll see how it goes. I just, I, I get grumpy when you prioritize size over skill or skating or things like that. But if you get a guy who you think who, who's Big in addition to also being a player, okay, now you really got something.
1: Yeah, upside. like Prioritizing the size over like the potential for upside. I, I, I could see that. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I want to move on to the free agency period. And, boy, what an active day. Day one uh, for Chris Drury and uh, the Rangers front office. They made 10 signings within the first two days. Um, going into it, the Rangers had... Eleven million seven hundred sixty-two thousand nine hundred seventeen dollars in cap space. Uh, and Drury signed. So, this is, I mean, he needed a lot, a lot of stuff to fill in the roster, and he, I think he did a really, really great job considering what was available, um, what was out there. So, Drury signed a middle six winger, two bottom six forwards, a thirteenth forward, a left defenseman, and a backup goalie. All that for four million eight hundred twelve thousand five hundred dollars. That's I'm impressed
0: by how much research how prepped you are for this yeah uh, I like that that you have these exact figures down
1: uh, I mean I I was prepped I, I talked to HSM last week so yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I, I learned I learned from him but you know the... he's similar
0: to me too in that um, on Twitter like his his persona on like public Twitter is much more like buttoned up or polished and nice but like when you get him in private much more of a jerk and I say that lovingly because <laughs> oh, i'm the same way god. like I, i'll never forget like when i first started blue shirts breakaway like ryan and greg like knew me as like just like this nicer guy that was lending them a hand here or there and then the first time they had me on the podcast they're like oh my god you're a dick and i'm like yep <laughs>
1: they should get you on more
0: <laughs> <laughs> no it's fun but no yeah it's uh i think i like I said it's I, I think it was Joe fortunato or someone had a quote where it was like you know it's you can't, like, go to the store with five bucks and come home with the flaming or something like that. And the fact that some fans were ex- somehow expecting that is ridiculous. But, like, given the money constraints the, constraints the Rangers were dealing with, like, I was thrilled with the job they did. Um, especially, like, a guy like Blake Wheeler. Like, yeah, I get it. Like, he can't skate anymore and he's older. But, like, he's still a really, really good playmaker. Playmaker. Um, and like, you know, people, some people, are, oh, well, like he was part of like the bad locker room in Winnipeg. Okay. But Jacob Truba, no, obviously knows him very well from his time in Winnipeg is the captain. I'm sure he signed off on uh, and if anything advocated to wi- bring Wheeler over. So like not concerned at all with any, like the personality things from Wheeler with like the most recent, like Winnipeg locker room, cause there was a lot of issues there. Um, and like there's no risk. Like the dude's making under a million, put up what fifty-five points last year. And okay, he doesn't play a lick of defense, but that's why we've made some of the other signings that we did with Pitlick and those guys. Um, it's just like a no-risk but super high potential reward guy. Like,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I really, really, really like that signing. Um, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was on with a couple of my friends with CJS and Python. And we were saying we're gonna go crazy as soon as the Rangers hey, sign Josh Josh C Archibald. See Justin
0: <laughs> Python. What did you just say?
1: <laughs> yeah, Nick Rose and uh, Core Python. Okay, <laughs> that's their twi- that's their uh, their Twitter names. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Okay. Yeah, but we were saying yeah, we're not expecting much from the Rangers, but we're gonna go crazy as soon as the Rangers sign Josh Archibald for league minimum. <laughs> like, so we we were as soon as I heard the AAV on on Wheeler, I was freaking out because. Yeah. You know, it's the idea that Drury didn't spend $2 million, $3 million on guys that don't need it. Like, you saw yeah. Toronto's gave Ryan Reeves, I love him to death, but a three-year contract for Ryan Reeves at this point in his career, when they need all the space they could get, that's a lot. Yeah. That's yeah. not worth it to me. Like, and, you know, NHL GMs are notorious for handing out big, big contracts. Like, uh, I didn't expect Corpus Allo to get that much money. What was it, $5 million for four years? Or mm-hmm. five, yeah. five years, four million, something like that. And Tristan
0: Jari had a pretty big extension uh, right. with, with Pittsburgh, I saw. But, I mean, to your point, like, the Rangers were forced to go, you know, Bargy had been hunting. They had to, they weren't able to go shopping at Nordstrom. They had to go shopping at the Salvation Army store. And they came out with some really nice finds.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like the um, and, and, and what I like, too, and sorry to cut you off yet again, but, like, it, a, a, a myriad of different skill sets like it's not like they went out and got a bunch of redundant pieces like they needed a winger who could be a better playmaker that's what you know especially that could play the right side that's what blake wheeler is um they and it's not gonna and he's not gonna prevent caco the only way he'll be preventing Kako from getting more time is if Kako just absolutely
1: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help
0: Stinks. The whole reason why they brought in Laviolette and this staff was quite literally to figure out, you know, get Kako and Lafreniere and Edel and them playing to their potential. Um, Elliot Friedman was actually listening to his podcast earlier, and he, he literally said, "It's like this isn't me, like just talking crap." Like Elliot Friedman said, "Like listen, like the Rangers thought Gallant was a fine coach. They just came to the conclusion that he wasn't the right guy to get the kids to where they need to be. They think." Laviolet plus the staff they surrounded him with. Are that and, and the staff they surrounded him with are fantastic. Like Muse is a guy. Am I saying his last name? Muse, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. He's a guy who is known as a like. While he's got a bit of like a old school attitude, he is an extremely innovative thinker. And every, I saw that everyone was passing around the clip of him like at the coaching conference talking about the importance of spatial awareness and all of that. Like he is a great tactician. And then you got Pekka, who's known as a really good talent developer, and, and it's like a good, a good, a good mix of skills they add to the coaching staff. To supplement la violette who's more like the adult in the room
1: i like to make the comparison i hope this is what what ends up happening but remember when zuccarello was you know struggling to find a spot in the lineup before av came in like tortorello wouldn't play yeah he, would yeah, keep, yeah he would put in asham pie all those mm-hmm. guys over him i say it all the time on here but like av found a spot for zuccarello mm-hmm. it was that third line Right. So I'm hoping Laviolette could do the same thing for Lafreniere, find a spot. I, for...
0: Yeah, I, I'm sure he can. And it, it's a lot of it's confidence with them. Just building up the confidence like Lafreniere has the skill. It, it has, there's no question at all about like, does he have the skill to play at the NHL level? He needs the confidence. He needs to not play a parade. You know, you can see with some of the kids they were playing to not make a mistake. You cannot have someone like Alexei Lafreniere playing to not make a mistake. Um. So it's it's you know as long as again you know develop continue to develop the skating get you know I know they have uh, they work with a couple different skating coaches now like continue to work on the skating with the kids continue to work on like their hockey IQ again their their tactical mind which hopefully Muse can help them with and then put them in the position to succeed and get them with the right line mates like people whose skill sets complement each other.
1: Mm-hmm. And we'll talk a little bit more yeah. about that in a little bit, but um, just to touch on free agency a little bit more uh so Blake Wheeler they all these guys they signed were below 1 million dollars and there were some really really cheap contracts that were handed out day one free agency Daniel Sprong Archibald um I I even think Michael Bunting could have been had too but like there's guys Garnet Hathaway too to the Flyers I think he was 2.4 million for 2 years and that was the guy that I was hoping the Rangers would go after but Drury drew a line and said I am not going over eight hundred twenty five thousand dollars on a contract to anybody so in a way i like that he took a position he didn't just sit on the fence and just see like oh let's see if this guy will take this much money or this guy will take that much money he said no this is the amount that we're signing these players for everybody's going to get in if you want to be here you're going to you'll want to be here and wheeler and quick from what it sounded like they wanted to be here so I think that speaks that speaks volumes of uh, the organization. And Tarasenko is still out there too. Um, did you see what happened with him with the his agent?
0: Yeah, yeah, I saw that. And then I got a kick out of the. I think it was was it Bill or I forget who it was that put out the meme last night with Tarasenko on a plane, and he had the joke about like uh, say that like Tarasenko saying to his wife, "We stay in New York," as he shoved Barclay Goudreau in the <laughs> into the the cabin. <laughs> But it was, but no, it's, it's yeah, I mean, it's, uh, like you said, they're in a good spot. And, you know, when you say, like, the organization is strong, like, uh, let's just, as long as the keeping Dole at bay, yes, the organization is definitely something that people Absolutely. want. Um, and again, I'll, I'll go back to, you know, listening to that Elliot Freeman pod earlier today. Um, he made a comment and he made it clear. He's not saying this conversation happened with Blake Wheeler, but it's probably part of, like, the calculus of why Wheeler went to New York. And there, there was a story where... Uh, some you know big name player asked Wayne Gretzky about playing in New York, and Wayne Gretzky's response was, "If you ever have the opportunity to play in New York, even for just a year, take it." Hmm. Um, and it just like for the experience playing in MSG, playing for the Rangers, original six team in you know New York City, Manhattan, um, and all that. Um, and then also like another thing that that goes to especially like the older players like Wheeler, being on the East Coast, the travel is like half of what it is in the West Coast. And, like, when you're starting to get, you know, 35, 36, 37 years old, like, you don't want to have to constantly be taking flights from, you know, Vancouver down to Arizona or stuff like that. Like, the travel in the West is literally double what it is the travel in the East.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, I mean, I I think the signings were great, too. Mm -hmm. I'm glad that Wheeler and Jonathan Quick want to be on board um and i love the the av i think there's guys in there like benino and pitlick too that that um
0: benino will be important especially for yeah. the penalty kill
1: yeah like that's that's a guy like if the rangers wanted to go because right now they only have a little over six million dollars uh as of uh as of today friday july 7th uh to sign alexi lafreniere and keandre miller but if they wanted to you know Possibly think about bringing back Tarasenko. I know there's been he wants to stay like there was rumors that he wanted to stay he fired his agent um, There was reports that he was gonna go to Carolina. He, that doesn't look like it's happening anymore um, mm-hmm. So there's a lot of question marks on where he's going The only way I think that the Rangers could get Tarasenko back would be if Barkley Goodrill gets traded Which probably won't happen so like ben, what I'm saying is Benino is can replace Goudreau. Like, Goudreau was a fourth-line center. But for that salary that he's making, it's not worth it, especially, mm-hmm. like, with with the cap constraints now.
0: Yeah, and to your point, like, if the Rangers – yeah, if they want to get um yes, you need to move Goudreau or make another move that would be much more painful. Um, yeah. and, and, like, I, one thing I do want to say about Goudreau is, like – Players like him or why I hate the salary cap? Because like now we have all these fans like openly like shitting on Goudreau and hoping he's gone on this and that. Like the dude's a fine player. and He seems like a great dude. Like he's someone that you want to root for. But because of the salary, the hard salary cap and his contract that he was given, everyone hates him. And it's like, ugh. but you know, it's it's. uh But you know, just because of the cap considerations and the the contract that. He was given, he didn't force Drury to give it to him, right? So it's not Goodrow's fault, but yep, he's the one that, if you want to bring back Tarasenko, he's the one that needs to be gone. And to your point, yeah, Bonino could certainly replace him, or they have a combination of guys that could replace him, honestly. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a matter of, are they willing to do what they need to do to move him? And I've seen it all over the place. Like, you know, some think that you might actually be able to get a little bit of an asset for trading him based on some of the other trades that happened, and others like, no, you definitely have to attach a second-round pick or something, and we'll see.
1: Yeah, if you'd have to, if you're gonna move the full salary and not retain anything, then you'd probably have to, to attach like a little sweetener in there. And I think the Rangers value Gutro too much to to even consider doing that. I know Tarasenko like loved his time here, like, and I love everything about him. Tarasenko, I love that he shoots. I love that he's a that he was and a and good boys. Yeah, I love that him and Panarin are boys. I, I love that. I I love that he's humble, great person. Um, he he was comfortable playing in in New York, um, but like the only thing that makes me think like it's a possibility is the Rangers went out of their way to get Patrick Kane at the deadline, so why can't they do the same thing now for Tarasenko? I get like the like the 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 implications like with the salary cap they didn't have to trade anybody they just had to send people down, and uh, to, just so they could accrue some extra cap space at the deadline. But I mean. Well- I won't rule it out. I'll just say it's like 95% chance that Tarasenko back to the Rangers uh, does not happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I wouldn't rule it out. And there are ways to make it happen, but it, it'd be very, very – unless Tarasenko wants to just sign a, a million-dollar contract, it'd be very, very difficult to make that happen without moving a Barclay Goudreau or someone with at least $3 million in salary.
1: Mm-hmm. And now that they have pretty much the rosters all set for next year, like they have – they have their their players. They just need to work on the extensions for Lafreniere and Miller, and I think those will get done. I think they'll be able to do that. Um, I think Zach Jones is going to make it as a sixth or seventh defenseman, along with Eric Gustafson, which is um, which is good for him. I don't know how much playing time he'll actually get um, over Gustafson. I could see I could see that being a conversation during the regular season, like why isn't Zach Jones playing um, as it was this past season? But I mean, in terms of line combinations. Um, I've I've, I've thought about it a little bit. I know I always think about like what you say. You got to match the play styles, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I know, like before it was last season, I had you on. We were talking about that Kreider Zibanejad kako line, and you felt like Kreider Zibanejad is not, like a combination that, is like in the best interest, right? Like it, like Panarin Zibanejad. Well, yeah, I th- yeah. I thought those.
0: Yeah, well, and what's funny is. They actually had performed. Kako put up his best numbers with them, so he proved me wrong. But, yeah, my my point was, you know, you have Kreider's a net front, Zibanejad's a shooter, and then Kako also is kind of a power forward mold. And I felt like for the best, you know, that line needed a playmaker on it. But um, what ended up happening was because of the threat of Kreider in front and the threat of Zibanejad's shooting, Kako was the one where we saw just being the possession driver, being able to kind of cycle and cycle and, He, him with box who was often on the ice with that pair box then served as like the main playmaker. And so that line did have a decent amount of success.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't know why they broke that line up so quickly. I think the first 15 games, like those line combinations were, I wouldn't even be mad if they did it again this year. Like if they brought back like Lafreniere on the right side, I know it's Mm -hmm. probably going to be Wheeler on the right side, but yeah. and Trocek and Lafreniere or Panarin Hito Lafreniere take your pick. I think that's a the way Lafreniere played those first 15, 10, 15 games of the season this past season. Mm-hmm. I think that was like the, one of the best stretches I've seen him play outside of last year's playoffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I'll be interested to see what they want to do, um, you know, in terms of Lafreniere, like I don't hate him and Hito being together. And, and I also, I'm not, I said this earlier like i don't get too bent out of shape about second line versus third line as long as the coach is deploying it all kind of like evenly and, and it, it just mainly That's sometimes true. comes down to matchups and stuff like that um but like i, I would imagine they're going to probably start with something along the lines of like trocek panarin wheeler line to see how that goes personally i think i'd rather have a shooter on one of the wings there like you know put panarin center shooter and then, you know, wheeler, center, shooter. I, I don't know if I... But, hey, I, I'm down to try... I should say this. My number one thing with line combinations, I'm down to try anything, especially yeah. early on in the year. Like, try different things, and it's not try it just for one game and then ditch it. Like, you need to give it, like, a week or so, see if it gels. Try different combos, see if it works, and then go from there. And if it doesn't, well, that's more information. You now know this doesn't work, and so you can rule that out and move on to something else.
1: Yeah, so it was weird. Like, the first year for Galant, it was, like, the same line combination copy-pasted the entire time. And then the second year, he changed up, like, every other game. like mm-hmm. And some of them were like, oh, I want to see what this combination looks like. And before we even get a chance to get a full game look at it, he changes it back to something else. Mm-hmm. And that was what – that bothered me, too. Like, probably bothered you as well, I'm assuming.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's definitely seemed much more reactionary this year. And... Yeah. And you could tell he was getting like testy with the media about it too. Like, there were definitely things going on.
1: Yeah, um, but I mean, there, there's there's a number of things. Like, how do you feel about Kreider, Trocheck as like a as like a matchup line, like a third line? Kreider, um, Trocheck, and then like take your pick for the the right winger, whether that's Benino or Wheeler, or Pitlick, or.
0: Yeah, somebody. I definitely wouldn't put Wheeler on the line for a matchup line because Wheeler can't defend a paper yeah. bag like yeah. but um yeah I, i'm cool with tro- trying again trying it out tro- you know put have a third line of you know Trocheck, krider Gudro and see how that goes where you have some you know speed some net front presence some playmaking and, and like some you know grit and defensive responsibility i'm that's to- I'm totally cool with that being an option to try mm-hmm.
1: yeah and i i like the the idea like you're saying that if you, you don't mind the second line third line thing. I also say like because they're gonna get power play time too. If you have to put mm-hmm. somebody that's making high salary on the third line, well then they just put them on the power play. Like Kreider, like if you put Kreider on the first line uh, on the third line, he's still gonna be he's our best net front option. Yeah. On the power play, he'll still he'll still get his cookies. He'll yeah. get his yeah he'll get his goals and he gets penalty kill time. So cool. like he'll have the time to produce and if everybody's playing well then, I mean, the ice time will be more evenly distributed. Mm-hmm. I think, like, when the kid line was rolling, instead of getting, like, 10 to 12 minutes, they were getting, like, 14 to 15 minutes, and they mm-hmm. were, like, the third line. But, I mean, I, I guess, I don't know if you want to consider them being used as a second line. I don't think so because, to me, like, a second line's got to get some power play time, and uh, those guys didn't end up getting that
0: well, better, I, I would um, kind of go back to what you said before where I don't think you need to have correlation between what line you're on and what if you're what specialty unit you're on. you can kind of treat them both differently. And like a guy like from back in the day Brandon Peary was a good example like he was a really good power play person you know, you couldn't really do shit else other than yeah. shoot. but like he was a specialist in certain areas where it would make sense for him to play down the lineup but then have power play time or you know high in the shootout, stuff like that. Um, so I just you know my main thing is just find the right combinations of people that work that whose skill sets complement each other and allow each other to, you know, play to their best of the ability. And then, you know, the power play, they they pretty much know what works. You know, you got Savannah Jad over on that left circle, you got Kreider as the net front, Fox is the main you know power uh quarterback and then, you know, go from there.
1: Yeah, and then the power play, yeah, the power play lines, that'll be interesting to see because the past couple of years the Rangers have just stacked up the one unit and then never mm-hmm. used the second unit. Use the first unit a minute thirty seconds, a minute forty five and that's it. Um, I'd like to see a little bit more balance. Uh, uh, give maybe Hedeau an opportunity on the first unit or Kako, whatever. Um, those two guys, and Kako, I think they're most deserving of if of any of the young guys of getting some more power play time. Um, but we'll see. I think the preseason will be a good and, and uh camp to uh, like once the Rangers report to camp in in September. Um, that'll be a good a good judgment for us as fans and for the reporters like Vince and Molly and Colin to see, you know, what is Laviolette all
0: about? What is he, how is he going to style this group? Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and, and so, I mean, kind of to your point too, like it's, it's, uh, I'm looking forward to kind of seeing what things are does he try and then how does he respond to what works and what doesn't work? How patient is yeah. he and stuff like that. It'll be very interesting to see.
1: Yeah, hopefully he's able to make some in game adjustments too because I I always complain. That was about, Galant's worst aspect yeah. is in game adjustments. It's like it's like if you have to make an adjustment, you would wait until the second period, do it for one period, and then that's it. Or just don't do it at all and wait until the next game to make that adjustment and then forget about it the rest yep. of the way.
0: <laughs> no nope, absolutely. So yeah, you know you here's the hoping.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta be a more responsive team. And uh, last question to wrap it up, uh, are the Rangers a better team overall now? I know they're older. I know they might be a little slower when some said they, might be, they need to get faster, which is what lost them the series against the Devils. Um, but are they a better team overall now?
0: What I would say, speed is not what lost them the series against the Devils. It was the inability to adjust is what lost them the series against the Devils. Yeah. Um, many, say,
1: many say that it's speed, but I agree with you. No, it's, I mean,
0: <laughs> the Devils were able to take advantage of their speed but the rangers weren't able to adjust like it wasn't just oh devils are fast and therefore they beat the like Ra- rangers got outcoached by lindy ruff that's what lost them this this series mm-hmm. um but yeah i uh, it would have been nice for them to address speed but at the end of the day are they a better team than they were last year uh, maybe <laughs> i mean it's it's hard to say it it all comes down to the development of the kids like if you know i think you know wheeler and the some of the depth guys they signed can replace some of the guys they lost and people oh they lost Patrick Kane oh they lost broken hit Patrick Kane who couldn't do anything mm-hmm. like that wasn't really a loss at all um you know Tarasenko was fine but you know more name value than what he actually performed for the team so I think the team's on a similar level than they were last year and whether or not they're better comes down to is Kayondra Miller better is Alexei Lafreniere better is Kapu Kako better is Philip Heedle better um and you know on down the lineup,
1: yeah. Um, I could say I could say maybe as well for to answer that question. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of question marks for me though. Like uh, how is Laviole like going to change the work ethic? I think that had a lot to do with it. I don't think I don't think the players showed up to play at certain points, but I do think ultimately what lost in that series was the inability to adjust because once the Devils started playing five men back the Rangers had all sorts of problems getting anything on that goalie. Yeah. They didn't even test that them. That's thing. the
0: thing. It's like, yes, the, the Devils are a fast team, and they were able to hurt the Rangers with the speed, but what killed the Rangers was their inability to do anything in the offensive zone once they established, and speed has very little to do yeah. with you know your ability to generate quality chances once you've established the zone.
1: Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping to see adjustment and more consistency because this past regular season I thought was – was pretty inconsistent i thought there was too many stretches of wins and then losses and then wins and then losses instead yep. of a consistent you know like win two games lose one come back with with another two wins or three wins and then you know if you lose come back come back ready to play the next day or yep. the next game yep. uh so i'm hoping to to see to see that and uh so to wrap it up uh I'm just gonna give an announcement so ice cold takes. I'm gonna be taking a break for for the rest of the summer unless something crazy happens for, with the Rangers. Um, I got a lot of stuff going on. I'm not Bruce Shirts Breakaway. I know they they've been like what is it like six seven hundred weeks in a row or something like that. Yeah, I mean they've been doing there, it so. for
0: I think eight years now.
1: Yeah, they're they're nuts. I'm not Greg and Ryan. Um, so I can't I can't. I, I was thinking about like doing that, you know, like I've never missed an episode. I never missed a week yet, but I got a lot of stuff going on with summer school work here and um, hopefully starting some uh, some internships. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see with that. But I mean, I'll still be active on Twitter and stuff. It's just that the episodes, it's becoming a little too overwhelming for me. So I got to take a, take a step back for a second and, uh, and then come back when uh, camp comes in uh, September
0: cool well enjoy your summer enjoy your time off thank you so much for having me on and uh yeah we'll stay in touch and once camp rolls around we can do this again
1: all right thanks for coming on Drew.
0: hey rangers fans thank you so much for
1: listening to the ice cold takes podcast this week make sure you follow at ice cold takes pod on twitter to stay up to date with the latest rangers info see you all next week. time you don't have to go home but you can't stay here no!